Good morning, church. I'm going to teach you a game that we play in youth ministry. It goes by a few different names, but I know it as Upset the Fruit Basket. Does anybody know that game? Well, I'm going to tell you about it anyways. So all the students sit in a giant circle with a collar in the middle, and the students are given a fruit to represent. So we've got a few students who are apples, others that are oranges or pears or what have you, and the person in the middle calls out a fruit, says, apples. And all of the people who are apples, including the person in the middle, are racing to exchange seats until everyone finds a seat, and then there's a new collar in the middle. And the game continues as we call up these fruits throughout the game. The caller can also use this interesting phrase in which everyone has to stand up and run, and that phrase is upset the fruit basket. And so we're not just calling apples or pears or oranges, we're calling all of the fruits to stand up and exchange spots, and it's just absolute mayhem. And there's a lot of laughing and squealing, mainly from me, um, but it's, it's a good time. In this series, uh, Fruit of the Spirit, we've been calling out these fruits, uh, love, joy, peace, all of these fruits. And, and what's interesting is when we say yes to Jesus, we give our whole hearts and our lives to Jesus, Holy Spirit really just upsets the fruit basket and starts developing these fruits in our lives. And we're going to dive into um, one of those this morning in particular, patience. I actually thought it was kindness. Okay, so I started reading and praying and working through kindness, and I, I had forgotten with Deirdre coming, she wasn't doing Fruit of the Spirit, and so I go to Rob's office, and I was like, I'm ready for kindness, the Lord's been working in me, he's like, actually, you're doing patience, and I was like, okay, <laughs> and so I go back to my office, and I'm like, all right, God, we gotta hurry, this one's on patience, I don't have a scripture ready, we gotta move, patience, <laughs> when I think of patience, I think of Amanda driving and seeing some crazy people on the road that aren't focused on being on the road. And I get spicy about that. Or in my schedules and my plans get flipped upside down, I'm not the most patient person. Maybe for you, a friend or a spouse or a coworker has said, you need more patience. Maybe you have a child that poses a unique challenge in practicing patience in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't always handle those frustrations well. But as I've been reading and studying, I wonder if patience is more than just, I don't know, avoiding being like a hothead or a meanie. What if there's more to patience that Paul is talking about here? We're going to look at this text. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians 5, 22 through 26. With some background, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and they are struggling. So there's Christians in this church that have Jewish background and those who don't have a Jewish background. And naturally, that caused some conflict of you should become Jewish first and obey the Torah, and that will mean that you're an official Christian, right? And Paul's like, the Torah doesn't save you. The law doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ who fulfills the law, that, that saves you. And so he's trying to work through some of their ideas and things, and then he comes in to explain that we're to live by the Spirit, to turn from our old ways that sought to dehumanize others, destroy relationships, and instead turn to the Lord. And when we do so, when we live in dependence on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit develops 
this fruit in our lives where we become formed and made into Christ's image. And so let's look at those this morning. If you know them, feel free to say them out loud. Every week I'm sitting here and I'm like, love, joy, peace, patience. So feel free to join me in reading. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. This word for patience, or your translation may say long-suffering or um, long-tempered or forbearance, this word here is makrothomia. I think I said that right in Greek, but what it's talking about is the sense of waiting. Waiting a sufficient time before there's this personal reaction, often anger. Waiting. It's something that the Lord produces, hence fruit of the Spirit. And it's tied so um, connectedly with these words of endurance and perseverance and steadfastness. Especially when we're bearing troubles, this patience that the Lord gifts us is so important and so essential. This fruit comes of living with, in step with the Spirit. So I think patience is more than just losing your cool. I think there's something that happens when we face trials and troubles in life that this fruit really can grow and develop. Think about these moments where we find ourselves in brokenness or trouble or pain. It's more than just a temporary inconvenience, but when life really gets you down. As, as Ron had mentioned, um, it was a year ago, Friday, February 24th, 2020, when, or 2022, when Russia came into Ukraine. And I've been following the Eurasia, Nazarene Eurasia account on Instagram, and I've been hearing some different testimonies of people, and I want to share with you a story of a girl named Z. She was displaced from Ukraine. She's now a refugee in Germany. And she talks about how the hardest moments that she experienced were those moments when she was so thankful that we serve a God who answers prayers. Can we get an amen for that? We can agree with her on that. She says, because there was mornings when I would get up and I would be like, I don't have the strength. I have no idea how I will live this day. She goes on to talk about how each day God would carry her through just enough grace, her daily manna. God carried her through the most difficult hour and trusted him, and that trust and patience deepened. When I read her story, I'm moved. I'm moved by the fact that with her world literally flipped upside down, she has this patience, this resilience, day in and day out to depend on Christ. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if any of us here have been a refugee in a war-torn country, but we do know what it's like to find ourselves in a moment of trouble or trial and not sure what we're going to do or where we are going to turn to. Maybe for you it's a diagnosis, something physical where you're like, what is my body doing? Will it ever be restored? When will the chemo finally set in and I'll be able to do what I used to be able to do? Maybe it's a mental health diagnosis. 
depression, anxiety, or trauma, and you said, that is the only thing I can think about, God, when will this be lifted off my shoulders? Maybe you're thinking about relationships, trying to figure out who's my person in this world, or, or divorce, or brokenness in relationships that come along. How long will this heartache go on? Maybe you're thinking about your kids, and they're going through a phase, and you're not sure how to love them, how to care for them. You feel like you're at your wit's end. You get what it's like to be in a desperate situation. Maybe there's financial troubles or, or issues at work, and it can just feel so overwhelming. Maybe you have friends or family who are aging or dying, and you see a part of them that's slowly starting to slip away. And you wonder, God, are you going to make this right? I don't know how much more I can take and see and witness. If all of that wasn't enough, we have the news where we have wars and natural disasters and all of just the incredible heartache that people experience. Injustice and opposition. Maybe you've experienced that yourself or an, an oppression and those sort of things or maybe you've been a part of an institution or a, a group that has contributed to the injustice in this world and you wonder how long until things will be made right for everyone. Maybe you're fighting temptations and you think, I can't handle one more temptation. I feel so weak and so angry and so tense right now having to face another day. Maybe God is silent. I want to follow you, God, but where are you? When are you going to come back? You say that you're returning and you see all the brokenness. Ding, ding, ding. I think it's a good time for you to return. Come back, Lord. Maybe your spirit is just unsettled right now with doubts and questions and you just feel painfully stuck in your current situation. There's a sense of ache and a dire need for hope and relief and renewal. And it's so easy in these moments when we just want to hurry through them. But what if God wants to form a fruit in our lives? What if God wants to teach us and form us in those seasons? Rather than getting bitter towards God and other people, what if we can develop patience in the midst of our seasons of waiting? You may wonder, God, are you in control? Do you understand the urgency of my situation? I'm getting anxious, impatient, or angry. I want us to look at a psalm, a psalm of David. And if you know much about David, he has moments in his life where he's angry, where he's spicy, where he's impatient, right? And I think that this psalm, Psalm 27, can give us some hope. When our patience feels like it's running thin, our tears just keep running out, and we are desperate for God to step in and intervene. And so turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 27. We're going to read um, the whole thing, so 1 through 14. Um, on the back of your Connect card, there's a section that says Sermon Notes. That's a section where you can write notes during the sermon. <laughs> so I encourage you, as we read through the scriptures, write down something that you're hearing. Maybe something God's speaking to you, and it may be something different than the person next to you. But it's really cool. It's good lunch conversations after. So get out your pen and your paper. Write down what are some characteristics of God that you're seeing, what's sticking out to you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked one advance against me and devour me, 
It is my enemies and my foes that will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only I do seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemy who surrounds me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. <laughs> your face, the Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malice accusations. Guys, here's my favorite verses right here. Ready? I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of God. Amen. This passage is full of confidence and all that in the midst of his trouble, there's this desperate plea for some divine presence and intervention. And I see echoes of patience in David's life. I want us to break down this, this passage into some chunks and see what are some things that we can learn in our waiting in our seasons of life. David starts out by saying, God, you're my light, and therefore I don't have to fear. I had a love-hate relationship with hide-and-go-seek growing up. Anybody love hide-and-go-seek? Yeah? So Amanda would run and hide. Usually we would play, at least in Ohio, we'd like turn all the lights off and it would be like flashlight hide-and-go-seek. And so I would run and I'd find a dark spot and my heart would be racing really fast and I'm really nervous because I just got done running and then my heart rate would slow we're chill, we're waiting. But then when Amanda plays, she starts having a heart race again because she's nervous. Okay, this is a really tight spot. I should have chosen another spot. It's getting really dark. What if no one finds me and everyone else is having fun and I'm sitting here alone? Oh my gosh. And so when the seeker would finally come up with their flashlight, I'd be like, okay, here I am. Like, I don't even want to sit here in this cold, dark like space anymore. Just find me. We get that. We get that in life. And I get this image painted of David saying, you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You are the refuge of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You illuminate the path before me. You are my stronghold, my protector, my provider. You vanquish the deep shadow of death. And I will be confident. Even when the wicked one and the armies and all of this starts stacking up against me, I'm going to be confident. Where does this confidence come from? The Lord. God. Our God does not fail. Our God is the one who creates holy covenant with us. A God who walks with God's people through the cloud and through the fire and sets up tabernacle with them. A God who provides water and manna. A God who's faithfully patient 
When we as creation turn time and time again, we turn from God. God is the epitome of long-suffering. Some of you get this. If you have children or a friend who has turned their back towards you and your heart just aches, I can't imagine this God who has, has patiently pursued us from the beginning and then we just keep turning our backs. Our God is the epitome of long-suffering and we see this in Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. That our God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And so this is the God that David is trusting. And he's not trusting on his own strength or pulling himself out by his bootstraps. He's trusting in a God who has never failed and will never leave or forsake him. He moves on to a declaration um, from this declaration and to this desire to dwell in the house of the God that this one thing I seek is to dwell in your house. In the midst of this waiting, that was his greatest desire. And I hope that's our greatest desire when trials come, when hardship comes, that your heart's first move would be to turn and to seek God. It's not always mine, right? I want to be like clawing my way out of the situation to try to resume some sort of equilibrium in my life. I want to just um, isolate sometimes or numb or get angry. Or I want to say, I got this. We want to flee from those sort of situations. But I want to challenge us individually and corporately when we walk in the moments of unknown or trouble or trial, would we be a people that would seek first God's face? Before we try to fix it on our own, before we panic or hide or flee or claw our way out, would we be able to just sit and know and be like, God, your face is the only one I seek. Your presence is the only presence that I need. The psalmist is obsessed with desiring the presence of God. It's his sole focus, so much so that he begins to sing. If you've ever been in a hard time in your life, singing is the last thing you want to do. But his heart is so focused on Christ, so focused on God. He says, hear my voice. He's asking for this deliverance from the enemies. And you're not crying out to someone once you've been delivered. You're crying out when you're in the thick of it. Think of, I don't know, like a kid who falls over and scrapes their knee and they're like, Mom, Dad, right? It's not five hours later they're like watching TV and they're like, Mom, Dad. No, you're crying out when you are in the thick of it, when you're feeling the pain and the heat and that tension. And so David's crying out, Hear me, God. Remember this relationship that we have. Don't turn away from me. He talks about he's had people turn from him. And you've had that too. God, don't turn from me in this moment. He finishes this psalm with this confidence and this encouragement. Again, my favorite part, that he's going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Meaning, in this life, right now, all the prayers may not get answered and all the answers may not come, but I'm surely trusting that your goodness will be with me. And that your presence will be with me in this season, no matter how hard it is. And we're going to wait on the Lord. And David understood waiting. 
He was appointed as, as king as a teenager and then didn't actually become king until his 30s. And during that time of waiting, he's running away from Saul. And then once he became king, he was running away from his rebellious son. I mean, David knew what it was like to wait and to go through it. And so much of this he could have done on his own. I think of Saul doing uh, life on his own. We read about that in 1 Samuel, right? Like, it's so interesting to me that we think that we can run and rule this life. But David knows. David knows that God is his source of strength. Waiting on the Lord is not easy, but he can attest that it's worth it. And to make good use of that time, perhaps God's trying to form us more into God's people. Be strong and take heart. You see this echoed. Moses and God say this to Joshua. Joshua says this to the people of Israel. You see this. David uses it later when he's strengthening Solomon. And later, King Hezekiah also uses this language. Be strong and take heart. Time and time again, we try to just do this on our own strength. This strength, be strong and take heart. Again, it's coming from Christ. It's a fruit that develops when we spend time with the Holy Spirit. It's not something we do on our own strength and power. And at the very end, he closes out by saying, wait on the Lord. Whenever we try to frantically rush through a painful season, a season, a moment of desperation, I think we can miss an opportunity for God to shape us and form us. Throughout scripture, we see a God who pursues us, and, and we usually say, I'm just going to go faster, and God, you better catch up. But what if God's inviting us to slow down and patiently wait on God? You see this in the wilderness and in exile, this God who's long-suffering and patiently trying to form God's people into God's image. And we're in a season right now called Lent, where we're formed, where we're shaped, where we are reminded that we are dust, and to dust we will return, repent, and believe in the gospel, that I can't do this on my own strength, the mountains, the valleys, and everything in between, God, let me rely on you, endure in your spirit, and be patient. Even when I can't see the next step, let me trust in you. Patience is one of the most difficult things, I feel, um, in the life of a Christian. I mean, it is hard to wait on the Lord because God's pace is often much slower than our own. I think our prayer should be, would you give me the patience to endure whatever season I'm in? As we close, um, the author C.S. Lewis, he writes this beautiful work called Meditations from a Tool Shed. And if you want to step into this dark tool shed with me, Everything's bright on the outside, but we're walking into this dark shed, and it's dark, like I just said. But in the, in the roof, there's a little hole, and from that hole, this light beam comes trickling down into that dark space, and you see it illuminating this part on the floor. It's so bright that you can see the dust particles just kind of floating through that beam. You think that's peculiar in this dark space. And so you walk up and you look through that hole in the roof and no longer do you see the dark tool shed. All you can see is that bright beam of light being um, fueled by a sun miles and miles and miles away and there's this sense of hope that outside of this dark tool shed there is a land that is bathed with sunlight and beauty and wonder. 
And I wonder if this is what patiently waiting on God is like. It's standing in that dark tool shed, that dark space, and asking God to illuminate. And where we have our eyes solely focused on Christ, that our eyes are not focused on the shed anymore, our eyes are focused on Christ, and there's a sense of hope. And I can wait because I'm so focused on Christ. In the season where I don't know the next step, I can focus on you. We're gonna close with a song, and I invite you, if you want to pray at the altar, if you're in a season right now where you need to ask God, restore my patience. God knows what you're going through. And we all know we can't do it on our own. When our patience runs thin, God can step in the gap and remind us that God is trustworthy that we can have confidence and courage in Christ. I'd like to pray for us as we respond during this next few moments. God, thank you for being the light in the darkness. In the seasons that we're in, God, we ask that you would give us the endurance, the patience to make it through. God, we may not get the answers that we're looking for or on this side of eternity, maybe things don't work out the exact plan according to us. But in this season, God, would you form us into your people? Would we patiently wait for your leading? Would we patiently respond when you call us? God, develop this fruit of patience in our lives. We love you, Lord. Amen.